and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 81. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Got some great stories for you folks this week, and we're going to start it off with a Drabble by Liz Mirzieski called Chester Cleans the Kitchen. If you like this Drabble, check out Liz's site, The Purple Couch, where she has stories, drawings, and strange videos. We'll have that linked in her show notes. Remember, Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words. Send yours into Drabblecast at yahoo.com. Chester handed Lois her evening hot toddy in bed, the brandy neatly masking the taste of the chloral hydrate. I'll clean the kitchen, babe. You're too good to me, sweetie, Lois smiled. A half hour later, Chester checked on Lois's empty glass and headed back to the kitchen. He removed his shirt, his pants, everything. He peeled back his skin, revealing a chitinous shell and antenna. He skittered about the kitchen, cleaning the dishes, the counter, the floor. Too late, he turned to see the business end of a broom through faceted eyes. I'll clean from now on, Lois said. Our feature story is called Snuffles, written by Jamie Lackey. Jamie lives in Pittsburgh with her fiancé, Paul. They collect geeky DVDs and even geekier books. She enjoys reading, writing, and watching educational documentaries about things like dinosaurs, plants, caves, or creepy things that live deep in the ocean. You're a lucky man, Paul. So without further ado, Snuffles by Jamie Lackey. Snuffles had no idea that he wasn't supposed to be on the top of the food chain. He thought it was perfectly normal for a badger to take down a far eastern brown bear. After all, they were delicious. But then, Snuffles had never met anything that he didn't find delicious. He finished eating his fill of bear meat and dragged the remains of the carcass to his cave. Snuffles' cave was a marvelous place. It was where his glowing rock lived. His glowing rock was his favorite thing in the whole world. It kept him warm in the Siberian winters, and it made him feel strong when he basked in its light. Snuffles lived alone in his cave. He'd had a family once, but they'd all gotten sick and wasted away. Snuffles had thought about eating them, but that felt wrong. He buried their bodies near his rock. That's where he'd want to be buried if he died. Snuffles went to sleep with his head resting on it. They were getting close to the first set of coordinates. Alexia hated everything about Siberia, just like she hated her damn tree-hugging hippie co-workers. The assholes in charge of her branch of the UN Environmental Agency always sent her on the shittiest jobs. India in monsoon season, the Congo, and then immediately the Sahara in high summer. And now Siberia over Christmas? She'd started out idealistic and loving nature. Not anymore. Now she just wanted out. And if that meant auctioning off abandoned nuclear material to despots or terrorists, well, Alexia could live with that. Then she could quit her damn job and move to Maui. Her department had received some reliable estimates for locations of the defunct nuclear lighthouses the Russians had abandoned decades before. Alexia had no idea what had motivated them to build radioisotope thermoelectric generators and then leave them to fall apart, but she didn't really care. These bad ideas were her ticket to sunny beaches and oceans of tequila. 
she would have actually volunteered if she hadn't been certain that they'd send her anyway. Alexia's GPS beeped. They'd arrived. She parked her snowcat, and then her crew put on their radiation suits and set out with Geiger counters. Within 15 minutes, one of the schmucks shouted, Over here! I found something! He was standing outside of a cave. The shadows seemed darker than they should have been. Alexia hesitated as fear clutched at her belly. Something was waiting in there. Yeah, she told herself. My ticket's waiting. She scolded herself for her overactive imagination and walked into the cave. After a few steps, she could see the faint yellow light from the lump of plutonium. Something crunched beneath her boots. A bear skull? It must have crawled in here and died, she thought, kicking its jaw. I wonder if this is what gave me that creepy feeling. She turned a corner and saw the rock of plutonium and the van-sized badger using it as a pillow. She screamed. The badger's eyes snapped open. They were the size of basketballs. Alexia turned and ran, pushing her way through her co-workers and ignoring their questions. Snuffles had been dreaming about being small with all his brothers and sisters. He missed them. Being pulled out of that dream made him angry. He'd never seen creatures like the ones that had invaded his cave. Nothing had ever tried to come into his cave before. The high-pitched noises that they made just made him angrier. He snapped at one of the little things. It was covered in slippery stuff that tasted terrible, but the meat inside was even better than bear. Snuffle's mood improved dramatically. They were tasty snacks. He would barely have to leave home for his next meal. He swatted at a group of them, taking out three in a single swing. He could figure out how to remove their strange outer layer later. He chased after the last few. They were fast, but he was faster. Snuffles was having a fabulous time. Alexia glanced back. She was the only one left. The huge radioactive mutant badger had taken out the rest of her crew in a matter of moments. She pushed her legs to go faster. She'd counted on her co-workers buying her more time. But she was almost to the snowcat. The damn badger wouldn't be able to get her if she got into the vehicle. It bulldozed through the snow behind her. Just a few more steps, she thought. She reached out to the door handle, wrenched the door open, and dove inside. She pulled it close behind her. The vehicle rocked as the badger batted it with a mammoth paw. Alexia fumbled with the key as the snowcat tottered. As soon as she got the engine started, she floored it. The badger pursued for a while, then dropped back. It turned around and headed back home. Alexia weighed her options. She had other coordinates. There was more plutonium out there. It couldn't all be guarded by mutant badgers. She should buy a gun before she checked them out, though. Just in case. Then she'd gather as much plutonium as she could, sell it, and vanish. When her team was overdue, her asshole bosses would send someone else. They would find the remains, deal with the badger, and even if they figured out that Alexa had escaped with the snowcat, they wouldn't be able to find her. She turned the snowcat towards civilization. Snuffles finished dragging the last body back into his cave to store them. He didn't want anything stealing them while he was away. He trotted after the scent that the big toy had left behind. Finding it would be an adventure. Snuffles loved adventure.
Well, that was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Mutants. Pretty sweet. Whether they're cockroach men or giant radioactive badgers, they make for good stories. And it's no coincidence that we brought you these stories this week. It's the finals for the Super Animal Deathmatch 2008, bitches. Even if you haven't been listening to the podcast at megabeasts.com, or you don't know what I'm talking about, you owe it to yourself to take a quick trip to megabeasts.com, look at the artwork, read the descriptions, and vote. It's only slightly less ridiculous than the presidential campaigns. Okay, let's do some story feedback. A few weeks ago, we ran the 80s flashback teen horror piece, Permanent Detention, by Weldon Burge. Got a mixed response here. Not everyone seems to appreciate cheesy 80s pop culture as much as we editors do, apparently. Mr. Tweedy said, I think this might be a first for me, but I really, really dislike the production. Maybe because I loathe the 80s and have no nostalgia for the decade of my birth, but I found the music and the lead-ins to be very annoying. They and the artwork reminded me of an 80s tween show, which is the worst association possible in this universe or any other. Bold Deceiver said, A second week in a row of some very strange production choices. The whole theme song and intro on this one were a total flop for me, I'm afraid. The story itself was nothing special, but the intro had me listening to the whole thing with a bad taste in my mouth. And I'm not talking about cockroach. Rich Mazur enjoyed the story, saying, I thought this was pretty hilarious. Even from the artwork on the episode, you can tell it's not taking itself too seriously. This is a great satire of Saved by the Bell era teen horror movies, and not a bad story either. Seemed long for a Drabblecast, but definitely had me drawn in the entire time, and I liked how the end brought it back to the beginning. I'm not a fan of 80s movies either. Maybe that's why I like this one so much. Somehow it managed to make fun of itself and also be entertaining as a story, kind of like Evil Dead. The following week we ran Panel Discussion by Mark P. Moorhead, the story about a panel discussion. Stalin Says said, Frustrating story. All exposition, no substance. It was dismaying that what I thought was a slow-coming plot development turned out to actually be the twist ending. Would have liked more from these characters than what I got. Camo Blamo said, I agree with what's already been said. The twist was so blindingly obvious that it couldn't really be called a twist. Still, I liked some of the imagery. I'm always happy to swap the person at the back playing with the phone for a ready-cooked alien. Except, of course, I'm often that guy down the back playing with the phone. By the way, Norm, best comic book guy impersonation ever. Why, thank you. There was some good nerdy discussion about what we would or should be willing to give up as a society to be able to join a larger pan-galactic community, but you'll just have to join our forums for that. While you're there, let us know what you thought about today's story. It's important for us to hear listener feedback, good or bad. While you're at our site, www.drabblecast.org, consider dropping us a donation to help us pay our authors and continue doing this weekly. You can give us a one-time donation or subscribe for only $5 a month of support. You'll find both these options on our website. Well, that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you can't change it or sell it, but you can share it with all your friends. Our staff is made up of co-editors Luke Coddington, Kendall Marchman, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to clean the dishes. Dad, I don't like my brother anymore. Quit complaining and eat, son.